Well, obviously, I root for my kids in the most passionate way, you know, like they are literally my kids. Obviously, I'm excited because Tobin and Crystal Dunn will be on the field as starters. I'm hoping Allie Long gets to play some. I'm hoping, uh, you know, Jess McDonald gets subbed in, and then I'm hoping uh, Ashlyn Harris gets to play. So I'm certainly rooting for my kids. And then I'm obviously rooting for the United States. I'd love to see us continue this dynasty. We're an international sports dynasty in women's soccer, uh, and I would love for us to continue that. And one of the more improbable seasons in Carolina history, it ends the way oh so many of them have on top of their game when it counts the most. With 22 national titles, 21 of those NCAA tournament titles, Anson Dorns knows a thing or two about a dynasty as the head coach of the women's soccer team at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Anson's Tar Heels have won more than half of the national championships in women's soccer history. Welcome to Well Said, Carolina's official storytelling podcast. On today's episode, Anson will share some memories from his storied career as a soccer coach, tell us what he's excited about at this summer's World Cup, and prepare us for the Tar Heel team's return to campus this fall. As head coach of the women's national team from 1986 to 1994, Anson also established the United States as a women's soccer dynasty. He led the American team to victory in the first ever FIFA Women's World Cup in 1991. Seconds left in this world championship. The United States leading 2-1. We wait simply for the whistle and that is it! And the United States has finally won a world championship in soccer! We really ripped through that tournament. I certainly remember that. I remember uh, how wonderfully aggressive we were at every stage of the, the event. There are so many different things, but I guess the main thing is I love these kids. When I was hired to coach the United States, we had never won a game in international competition, and five years later we were world champions. And the coolest thing for me was beating the world at its own game. That 91 World Cup winning team featured a lot of Tar Heels, like most of the American rosters over the years. <laughs> yeah, well, I love my Tar Heels. I am fiercely loyal to a fault to every one of my kids. And uh, yes, uh, I think of the 18-player roster, nine were Tar Heels. I loved it because in a way I was coaching the national team year-round because in the fall I was certainly coaching them. And then uh, once the national team season started, which is basically an off-season exercise for me in the winter, spring, and summer, except for that fall when the world championship, of course, was in the late fall. For me, it was, uh, again, a seamless transition from coaching these kids collegiately to coaching them internationally. And then, of course, with the international roster, we embraced the best of the rest. I mean, some of these kids off these other teams were just world-class. This was just a, a lot of fun. During his eight years as coach of the national team, Anson was still coaching the Tar Heels. So how was he able to balance all of those duties, especially in 1991? Actually, it was really easy. Part of it was uh, I have an excellent staff. Bill Palladino, when I left, we were still in season. He's a, a good friend and a wonderful coach, and I wasn't worried about my team in the least. In fact, without me there, they won the national championship, and, and I was very confident they could. I'm not a micromanager, so I never called back to find out how practices were going or how we were doing. We just listened to the results in the hallway with the other Tar Heels. 
as UNC went on to win uh, its national championship. So I was very confident in Bill Palladino and very confident in the kids I had left behind. Absolutely thrilled that uh, we had both things going on. So it wasn't really that challenging. And a part of it was also because U.S. soccer allowed me to coach the national team through the, the fall season. So basically, uh, uh, U.S. soccer brought the team to Chapel Hill. Uh, I trained the national team in the morning. I trained my college team in the afternoon. And so it was seamless. Uh, I was used to coaching uh, more than one team because at that time I was coaching the men and the women. So for me, it was just going to practice. Uh, I'm not one of these people that has, you know, hours of meetings and organizational charts for this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I've always sort of flown by the seat of my pants. And so that was a a perfect uh, situation for you to fly by the seat of your pants. And so I was expert in that sort of flight and was comfortable with it. Uh, And uh, the fall was great. We trained three teams, the women's national team, the men here at UNC and the women. When I took off, I knew the team was in good hands. So a tinge of Carolina blue to go with the red and white is nothing new for America's women's soccer team. At the World Cup in France this summer, it's no different. Five former Carolina student-athletes were named to the 23-player roster. Crystal Dunn, Jessica McDonald, and Allie Long made the World Cup roster for the first time. Ashwin Harris is back for the second time. And Tobin Heath is back for the third time. The forward has become a mainstay with the team, making more than 150 appearances. She scored in the World Cup final in 2015, helping the United States beat Japan for its third World Cup title. Did I see the talent that she could make it when she got here? Yes. But there's so many things that can derail talent. We talk about this with our kids on a regular basis when we have a player conference and we talk about self-discipline, we talk about competitive fire, we talk about self-belief, we talk about love of the ball. In fact, when we talk about love of the ball, we do talk about Tobin. I mean, no one loves the ball more than Tobin Heath. And as a result, she has mastered the ball. So when anyone watches her play, they're looking to see something special and she'll deliver it. I mean, she can't wait to nutmeg you. She can't wait to, ju- wait to juggle a ball over your head. You know, she can't wait to flick it around uh, one side of you, run around on the other side and get the ball. And you never know how she's going to try to beat you. And that in itself is entertaining. So, yes, love of the ball, love of watching the game, love of playing the game, grit and coachability. So if you can check all those boxes and you have some talent, you are going to make it. But very few people are willing to check all boxes. They claim they're willing. Crystal Dunn makes her first appearance at the World Cup. She'll be featured a lot in the starting lineup, but she was cut by head coach Jill Ellis from the 2015 team. She was probably the last kid cut, and I think that burned in her. And there are all kinds of ways you can react to adversity. One is to you know roll over and die and feel sorry for yourself and kick buckets and blame everyone and their mother. Crystal didn't do that. She sort of looked at herself and said, okay, Well, I'm going to do better. And all of a sudden, right after she was cut, she went into the NWSL and ripped it up, ripped up the women's pro league, scored goal after goal after goal to make a statement that, you know what, Jill, you made a mistake. You should have picked me. And obviously, all great athletes use any kind of reason to give them incentive. And whether it's this slight that I wasn't picked and that's why I'm motivated or you are going to prove yourself, but all of a sudden it lit a fire in her Then she started to get to her potential, and now she's starting to live it. It was extraordinary watching uh, how she dealt with it, because there are a lot of ways to deal with this kind of adversity. 
And a lot of people honestly give up, and she didn't. And to her credit, she's now, you know, one of the best players on the U.S. roster. She's won a start, and she is clearly the most versatile player on the roster. She can play in any line. But Anson won't just be rooting for the United States. There are Tar Heels representing other countries, too. Lucy Bronze will play in her second World Cup with England, and Katie Bowen represents New Zealand at the World Cup for the second time. When she decided to come to North Carolina, came for one reason. She came because she wanted to make the New Zealand roster. And that was a part of what she told me in the recruitment process. I'm looking at your history, Anson, and it's extraordinary the number of players you've put on the U.S. team. And I am coming here for the reason that, you know, I'm, I've been an alternate. I've, you know, I've certainly been in the pool. I want to make the team. And I have come to North Carolina because I think with your environment, uh, you're going to help me make not just the team, but I'm going to get on the field. And that's what we basically provided for because now she is on the field. And she's not the only one other than the five U.S. players that's going to be there. Uh, Lucy Bronze is considered the best right back in the world. She's playing for England, and she came and helped us win a national championship one year. And so I'm very excited about her. So as a result, I'm certainly rooting for all three of those teams, although the two teams that have the best at advancing are probably England and the United States, but I'm hoping Katie's team does well. And then the coach of the Dutch team is Serena Vekman. She played with Mia Hamm and Christine Lilly and Tisha Venturini back in the day. So there's another uh, a Tar Heel. So actually on that side of the bracket, uh, I'm rooting for Holland. So I want them to wipe through everyone, including the Germans. Uh, so I'm going to be rooting for Serena Vekman. Turning our attention away from France and back to Chapel Hill, Anson is excited for another season with the Tar Heels. His team will return to campus after spending two years playing their home games at Finley Fields while a new stadium was under construction. The stadium is, is remarkable. Uh, the worst parts of our old stadium was the distance from the field. There was a track around Fetzer, and there was no intimacy. So as a fan sitting in the stands in Fetzer, it was like you were looking across a moat or a lake, and the connection with the players wasn't as close. That stadium was built in 1935, so certainly we were overdue for a rehaul and a reconstruction. But honestly, this has gone beyond my wildest imagination. This is beautiful. It's a horseshoe shape in terms of seating. An end zone is, is empty of seats, but we're going to still try to figure out ways to pack people in there into the end zone. And the design of this thing is absolutely uh, remarkable. I think it's going to be a, a great experience for anyone to come watch us play because they're going to be so close to the field. Literally, when someone goes to grab a ball to throw in a ball that's been gone out of bounds, they can literally high-five a whole collection of people in the stands and then throw it in because the sideline is, I think, within 11 or 12 feet of the, the stands. And so the fans are going to feel really on top of the game and involved in the game. So for me, you couldn't have designed this thing any better. So I'm hoping uh, we can get wonderful support from the community and the campus because I think they'll really enjoy uh, this team that we're going to have, but also the experience of the stadium itself. Last year's team had a great run. We lost in the ACC final to uh, Florida State and in the national championship final to Florida State. Uh, we beat Florida State in the regular season, and that's when we had Alessia Russo. Russo tragically broke her leg in the last regular season game against Wake Forest, but she'll be with us again this fall, certainly. We lost some great players. Julia Ashley was drafted in the first round. 
and decided to go to Sweden. Dorian Bailey was drafted in the first round and stayed with her draft team in D.C. And right now, D.C. is on top of the table in the NWSL. She and Paige Nielsen, two Tar Heels, are both starting in the defense for uh, the D.C. team. So we're very excited about them. So we lose those two fantastic players. We lost a couple other uh, very good players that contributed. But the core of the starting unit is back for us. We've recruited well. So I think we could take another uh, very nice run this year as well. I think we're going to be a a very tough out. So I encourage anyone that enjoys the game and enjoys watching us play to come this season because I think they will be uh, absolutely entertained. In recent seasons, Anson has recorded some major milestones, including winning his 1,000th collegiate game last August. And these milestones give him an opportunity to reflect on his career and contributions. Back in the old days when I was coaching the men men and women, I actually asked John Swafford if I could coach the women. I had a men's assistant that was willing to coach the men at the salary of an assistant coach. He and I were both willing to literally cut the budget in half and share it equally. And so uh, I selected the women. And the reason I did was because the opportunities given to me on the women's side have been extraordinary. So I felt I've had a chance to pioneer a sport And I've absolutely loved it. And uh, I've loved uh, being a part of a university that also encouraged all of my participations. Because while I was the U.S. women's national coach, I was still the head coach here. The university had no issue with me coaching that national team while I was coaching here. And so I've been supported every step of the way by every athletic director. And now with this new stadium, I've got to give Bubba Cunningham credit and John Montgomery, who's been raising the money for this palace, And this is going to be just so much fun for me to play in. But yes, I've led a gilded life by having a chance to pioneer a sport, and I've loved every single day I've participated in this. Be sure to tune in and watch former Tar Heels throughout the World Cup this summer. The final is on July 7th. And the current Tar Heels return to campus in August. You can watch them play at the new stadium when they take on Indiana on Thursday, August 22nd. Thank you for listening to this episode of Well Said. See you next week. Oh, and I'm sure you've been wondering, what's better, one World Cup or 21 NCAA titles? Well, the championship I was involved in in 1991 certainly gives me a very warm feeling. But honestly, when I won that World Cup, I was just relieved. The pressure that you're under as a national team coach is extraordinary. I remember after we won, I was so exhausted after we beat Norway 2-1 in that World Cup final in 91. I just sat down. The whole rest of the bench were dogpiling on the field. They were so happy. I was just relieved that on my watch, we didn't lose. NCAA championships for me are different. Whenever I win one, I am absolutely over the moon and I'm full of joy. And obviously it connects you with your players forever in the most positive way. 